Welcome to the Haley Rowe Show. I'm a feel-good habits coach dedicated to helping you reach new levels of health, happiness, and high performance. Please visit www.haleyrowe.com for show notes. Let's get to it. I am so excited to be here today with Jared Warren, who is the author of Success to Significance, and he also hosts the Success 101 podcast and has a background in financial advising, which launched his whole career in personal development. So Jared, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm a financial advisor in Dallas, Texas. I started out my career in Houston, working down there, and basically knew that I wanted to help people. The part of this business that I love the most is people and working with people. We always talk about the fact that income is a byproduct of you doing the right thing. And there are so many people out there making tons of money, tremendous amounts of money that are miserable in their lives. There are so many things that go on with the world of financial planning that people don't talk about. And I thought, hey, if I can be an awesome advisor, if I can be an awesome financial planner for my clients, um, no matter where I am, no matter where I'm working from, I'm going to have a significant impact in their life. And I'm going to change a lot of people's lives by doing that, you know, really just grew up a super competitive person. I was an only child. My parents had a lot of trouble having me and that competitiveness fueled me in the world of business. But I'll tell you, I wasn't great. And still to this day, I mean, even though I've written a book about vision casting, goal planning, those sort of things, I wouldn't say that I am great at, at doing that. And that's probably the main reason that I wrote the book was because I knew it was a weakness of mine, but I knew that I had learned lots of things after digging into it that I wanted to share with other people. And so that led me down this journey of creating ways and systems and goals and digging into other people that I thought were really awesome doing it to where I could write this book. I think that a lot of times we teach what we most need to learn. And that's how a lot of people end up in the health field or with uh, personal development. And so that's really interesting you say that. And I went through your entire book. I've written all over it. My pages are ripping awesome. out. I love it. <laughs> yes. And um, so I guess my question for you is, since you were kind of beaten down and, and feeling like, you know, money isn't the answer to everything and I need to do some soul searching, how, how did you even start? Where did you start? And what was your first steps to creating a life by design? Yes. So I had the opportunity to team up with someone, a good friend of mine, who's about 15 years older than me named Curtis Estes, who also is part of the book as well. And Curtis had a lot of ideas. I had a lot of ideas. And he is a big time visionary. Like that's why I piggyback on a lot of his, uh, a lot of his ideas, a lot of his thoughts, a lot of what he's doing. Because I said, Curtis, you've got a ton of stuff that people need to hear about. You've already written a couple of books about things people need to hear about. I have a few things that I think people need to know about, but really mine was coming from why the lack of vision planning, why the lack of goal setting and goal planning is really holding me back. And I realized that, like I noticed that very quickly early on and realized, okay, if I can tap into this, if I can realize where my weaknesses are, if I can realize where I'm coming up short, instead of running from that, if I can run headfirst right into it, and if I can use the expertise of a mentor that I know is a big time visionary, there's going to be a lot that not only I learn, which was really selfishly why I did most of the book that I did, was there's not so much there's not only so much that I can learn, but hopefully I can teach so many other things to people out there and really help them get a grasp of what the messages that I'm trying to convey to them, the things like the legacy statement, the to be list, all of those things that readers will see if they get the book. Um, that that's what I'm all about. It's the vision part that I have a real hard time or had a real hard time struggling with. And after forcing yourself to go through things that are a little bit painful, it's that fear factor thing, right? Forcing yourself to go through things that are a little bit painful, a little bit mysterious to you that you don't know a lot about and might be, like I said, even painful to go through. That's what makes you grow. That's what makes you push through and really why I decided to do this. Yeah. And the legacy and to be exercises, basically, can you tell people a little bit about that? And how do we do these exercises, but not spend so much time getting worked up about them or thinking that we are doing it wrong? Well, I'll take a step back. Let me answer your first question as far as just getting worked up. There is, there is so much, Haley, there's, you know, there's so much noise out there. There is so much. I know you're a Bulletproof certified coach. You probably hear so many different in the healthcare field, the biohacking world, just as I do. You hear so many people talking about so many things. And there's certain things where at one point, maybe you or I were like, 
okay, wow, I've never heard of that. Well, later you find out the truth behind the data and the facts, and you're like, okay, that was just noise. Well-intentioned thoughts, but it was just a lot of noise, right? Here are the facts. Here's the data. When it comes to um, overworking yourself, working yourself up over your goals, your vision, all of that, we can put so much pressure on ourselves without looking at the data, without looking at the facts. And the facts are, you're different than I am. Everyone listening to this is going to be different than you and I. You've got to find what works for you. And I find that simple is better. Taking it slow is better. But, and here's the big but, the big caveat is if you take it too slow, you end up missing out on a lot of your life like I did. And we can, if you, I mean, I've got a whole backstory behind how I got in the biohacking world, the podcasting world and all of that. Basically, I hit my rock bottom point by, by going too slow on a lot of this and not realizing what I needed. But take it slow, guys. Understand what how you're different. Understand your why is going to be so much different than everybody else's out there. What drives you and propels you is going to be so much different than everybody else out there. And tap into whatever it is that is driving you and fueling you. Start down that path. If it doesn't work, course correct. Cal Newport says that all the time. Figure out what your end result is. And you may have to course correct many times staying on the thing that you're trying to get to. Never lose sight of the end goal but course correct as you need to. So when it comes to the to be list and the legacy statement and all of that in the book, it's, it's really all about what do you want to be? What type of man or woman or person do you want to be on this planet? Um, the to be list was huge for me because it is, as you know, from reading the book, it's, you start with to be a blank. I want to be a blank and to be, and you just fill in the blanks. It's kind of hard to explain if you don't have the book right in front of you. But you're going through all of these things that you hope people on the outside looking in or looking at you and saying, that person is this, that person is that. And the struggle that I had, honestly, transparently, a lot of it, whenever I wrote the book and I shared this with my wife, I said, a lot of this that I'm writing in the book is not, is not who I am right now. It's, I mean, this was written, you know, the idea for this came out long before this, but it was written a little over a year ago. And I was not that person, but what I was writing about was the person I wanted to be, the character traits that I wanted to have. And so that's the to be list is you write down everything that you want to have and you want to be. And there's power in that. If you'd asked me two years ago or explained two years ago how powerful words are, how powerful thoughts are, I would have just thought, hey, that's a little bit silly. It's a little bit unnecessary. Just go to work, like just go push through and make it happen. And what I've learned over the last two years, or really since 2000, yeah, since 2015, when I hit my, my rock bottom point was there's power in thoughts, there's power in words, writing those things down are going to be so huge for you. And then really the, the legacy statement is what do you want people to say when you're gone? But just think about it this way. Again, it sounds weird, but you wake up, nobody else is there around you and you find all these journals of, or all these writings of people that have written about you, and they all have things in there, not the negative stuff, right? Not, not anything that you did wrong, your weaknesses, whatever, but it's all the stuff that people admired about you because that's the person you had become in their life. Well, now there's, there's nothing else they can write. They, they, don't, they don't see any other flaws you make. They don't see anything else that you do wrong. It's just you're left with all the good things that you did because you've become that person. The problem is, in the real world, we don't live in that, right? We're we're going to die before other people stop writing about us and what we did or thinking things about us. And people are going to be there at our funeral that either think one way or the other about us. So what I would say is envision it as the way that you want to read in people's writings that they thought about you, all the great things that you did, but just know that that's not how life works. So you have to become this person so that they do write that way about you even when you're gone. And they're still here. And that's the hard part because we're human and we mess up. But what is the legacy you want to leave to your children, to your grandchildren, to many generations beyond? I'm a huge history fanatic. And so I read about all these people who never imagined that their great, 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 great grandson would be reading things about them. And I read that and it shapes my life. And I think a lot of times today we think about the fact that we're just here and now and living and whatever, and we don't really think much about the future and what's coming. And there will be people generations after us that are reading about the things that we did that we can't even imagine right now. So what type of legacy are you going to leave for them? Yeah, I love that. So most of us focus on, we, we say things like, oh, I'm an emotional eater, or I am a, um, I always fail at an exercise plan, or I always quit at everything. And that is an example of something that you're prescribing to yourself and in your 
book, instead you focus on the positives. What do you want to be? How do you want to be? And you have these exercises like the vision exercise or legacy exercise that you just said. You know, what do you want people to say when you're gone, like you said? And then the highlight reel exercise, which is what have been the best moments in your life, because that allows you to develop clarity. All of these things that you're saying are allowing you to develop clarity on how you want to be seen by others and remembered by others. So I love that you're taking it a, a positive spin and providing exercises for people to spend the time and get clear on who they want to be. Because I think a lot of times we just live in auto autopilot mode. And we, like you said, you hit rock bottom and you're like writing this book, realizing there's a huge disconnect between who you want to be and who you currently are. So that's pretty cool that your book allows people to get in tune with that. Yeah. And the, and the biggest thing that I would just say is, you know, depending on what your demographic is like here, um, I, unfortunately, this is unfortunately, I know it was the case for me. I think most people out there are going to have to hit rock bottom before they make a huge life change. Honestly, I, I don't know what your story is of how you got into biohacking and bulletproof and all of that, but I would guess that it's not because life is going absolutely perfectly well. You feel great. You sleep great. You think great. You're a huge impact to everyone around you. And you're like, well, Hey, let's figure out how to upgrade my life. I'm speaking for you, right? <laughs> but, but I'm just saying most people don't start seeking out drastic and dramatic measures and do things that are going to, and that's good, right? I mean, it's good when you do that because it helps you push through and grow, but most people are going to live status quo life, autopilot, going through living life by design. I mean, sorry, living life by default, not thinking about having to design anything in. Why? Because that's hard. But once you hit rock bottom, whatever that is for you, and that's the different levels for different people, once you hit that, then you realize, wow, there is way more to this life than what I'm living. There is way more to my, just my own um, mood and how I affect others around me. And am I miserable and making other people miserable every day around me? Am I getting the proper sleep? Am I getting the proper nutrition? That's why you take those uh, measures to do that because the idea of not doing that is so much more painful and continuing to live life that way is so much more painful. So for me, that was why it is. But I, I plead for most people, you know, if you if you get the book, what I tell people is if you get the book, everyone's so busy nowadays, even if you don't have time to read the book, just go through the exercises Curtis and I have put together in this book. And I think just from the feedback I've gotten, your life is hopefully going to be changed or at least some life, some parts of your life are going to be changed to where you start thinking about goal setting, vision planning, legacy. Really, that's the whole book, success to significance. We can be successful on paper. We can be successful in our lives. But what does that mean? What is significance and how do we get there? That is what people are going to remember when we leave this earth, not necessarily all the accolades that we had. Very true. And if you are hitting rock bottom, I think this book will be life changing. And like you said, we're all at different places in our journey and we'll never be completely 100% perfect and spot on with our legacy every single day. And I guess my question for you is moving forward and given the time that has passed between writing the book and now, how, what are you continuing to work on and how do you continue to stay on task with your goals and how you want to be, um, given the fact that time has passed and your old ways might settle in, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I'll just tell you, I'm a work in progress. I am never, hopefully, I mean, knock on wood here, I'll never be the person that says, oh, I've gone through this life and I started in 2015 making my way back and now I've got it all figured out, right? I mean, shame on me if I ever do that. And shame on you guys if you do that, because if you're really, if you really understand that this life is a journey and that we're always in the lab, we've got on the goggles, we've got on the white coat, we're always testing, we're always trying to figure out new ways to improve. And when you think you've made it to a certain spot, all you have to do is just look out there at others that you really respect and admire and see what types of lives they're living. The people not, and I'm not talking social media where everything looks perfect and it's really not. I'm talking about the people that you truly know their work and how they've dedicated their life to certain work that you're following. And you look at what they're doing and hopefully they're saying, I'm not perfect either, but here are all the things I've learned along the way. Right? So I think the biggest thing for me is just understanding that understanding that there will be days where I completely fail, understanding there are days where as a boss, 
as a husband, as a father, I'm human. I will fail. We are all failures out there. I know that I know that's a negative slant here, but that that's truth. And I think for me, what helps is looking back on where I was then, the person who was getting about four hours of sleep every night, the person who just tried to muscle it through, just like I did when I was 25 years old, but after running an office, having my third child, um, trying to just have a business that thrives. I mean, at some point you just can't muscle it through anymore and you have to look at facts and the facts are we have, we only have so much energy. And if we're depleting that day after day, we're not going to go very far. So for me, it is affirmations, which again, two years ago, I would have thought, man, that's a waste of time. I need to just be tough and move through affirmations, plenty of sleep because it, and, and when I say plenty of sleep, I just mean restful sleep, not how many hours I'm in the bed. I, I was focusing a lot on hours in the bed because I was only getting four hours back in 2015 and 2014. Now it's more about the quality of sleep, which I know you're just bulletproof and the biohacking and all that you're, you're into as well, but quality of sleep. And really it's, to me, it's leadership. I've grown more in the last probably year around leadership than I have around anything. Leadership is hard. It's so hard because people think they can do it better than you. And some of them can, and you have to be willing to accept that. But for me, it's, I never want to return to feeling the way that I did before. I never want to want to return to not thriving. Like I feel like I am now the success one-on-one podcast that I run was all built on how do we reach higher levels of peak performance through small wins over and over and over to get to where we want to be. And none of that happened until I hit my burnout point, but you have to work at it and it's not for the faint at heart. You have to work at it. But my hope is for all of your listeners is the pain of where you will be in the future. If you don't take care of yourself or the pain of where you were, if you've already hit that point is so much more painful than actually working at this each day and putting in the time to cast a vision, take care of yourself, be healthy, uh, it, it's just an amazing life and old school people like Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, so many of the classics out there have taught me that what a crummy world we live in, but wow, how much do we have to be thankful for? And that's where the significant part of everything comes in. Success, success is on paper. Significance is the legacy that you leave behind. Yeah, definitely. What you said right there about, I don't want to go back to the way that I was. And that's uh -huh. kind of, to me, that sounds like your big why. And I feel yeah. like for other people who have not, like you said, hit rock bottom and had to discover that for themselves, I still think that you can make changes and go through the exercises in the book to realize what you actually love or what you're passionate about and what you want to continue doing if you're already on the right track, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that, that was my whole point is that this book is for, and I think I'm going to answer your question here, but this book is for people who feel like they're on the right track, but just want to achieve higher levels of peak performance or for people who don't even know where to wake up and start tomorrow. They're poor at vision casting, they're poor at setting, they're, they're, they're not visionaries. They're not big thinkers. Their brain just doesn't work that way. They can still get so much out of this, even if they feel like they're so far from the mark. Remember, I wrote this book feeling like I was so far from the mark, but the principles I put in there are what I strive to be and what I want to be. And then now, even myself, I go through the book or similar exercises that I've created in my coaching programs. I go through that on my own. I do everything that I tell my clients to do so that I can continue to push toward that level of performance that I want to be, you know, going toward because every year is different. Every year presents new challenges and either, you know, either you're moving forward and you're growing or you're dying. And I was dying. I was literally sending myself to an early grave with all the negativity, pessimism, lack of sleep, no concept of anything, uh, healthcare, self-care, any of that. And uh, I just, I look forward to an abundant life now going forward. Not that, I, not that I'll get it right all the time. I'll screw up a lot. But where I'm going is so much better. And a lot of these vision ideas uh, talked about that in the book. Right. So you revisit your goals and use affirmations to keep yourself on track and motivated throughout the year versus being somebody who, I guess, do you have any advice for people who, you know, if we're coming to the end of the year, maybe they forgot what they were setting out to do this year. Is there any way they can finish out the year strong or get back to remembering what they want and why they want it? Yeah. And I would just say, you know, to that, the calendar is, you know, it's funny because the calendar is a, 
it's a man-made thing or created thing by people out there, but it's also it's also the earth revolving around the sun, right? But I'm I'm talking about this concept of time where so many people see that we're in November. I mean, I've said it probably in the last two weeks, I've said it a lot, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're already in November. Well, what does that mean? That's just a measurement of time, right? I mean, it is it is congruent to the way the earth goes around the sun. But I would say for all of you, like, like if someone tells me, if one of my clients that I'm working with on the financial planning side or the co- life coaching side tells me, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I can't wait till 2018. It's going to be an incredible year. I'm putting all these goals, these ideas together. And I can kind of pick up on the fact that they're waiting until the first of the year to start. Then my question always, of course, is, well, why, why are you not starting now? Oh, well, I've got the holidays. I've got this, I've got that, whatever. We have built into us, Haley, this idea that time uh, time is is a, a finite resource, right? I mean, we only have so much of it, but it's what do you do with that time? And I don't, to me, I lost this concept long ago because of thinking the wrong way. I lost this concept a long time ago in my mind of if I have to wait until a certain time, how bad do I really want it? So I would encourage everybody out there, like if you've got a goal, if you've got something by January, quote unquote, you have in your mind that you're going to start, and you're not starting it now, either it's not a big enough why, it doesn't mean enough to you. Because let's think about it. If if somebody came and said, I'm going to take your life tomorrow, or I'm going to do something, I'm going to I'm going to come in and, and silly example, right? But I'm going to come and cripple you tomorrow and put you in a wheelchair until unless you can figure out some way to stop me from doing that. Well, we wouldn't say, well, wait a minute, the holidays are coming up, certain things are, I'm, nah, you know, if it happens, it happens, but then I'll wait till January to start figuring all that out. Well, no, that may be too late. You've got to start now. You've got to start now figuring that out. So either it's not a big enough why. So I would caution you to go back and revisit and realign your goals and your vision to something much greater. I mean, we think so small. We could do a whole 10 episodes on that, but we think so small. Go read the the power or the magic of thinking big. Um Again, I could go off on that all day long. I've just got all these ideas now from thinking of that. That book really changed my life. But the idea is starting now, making sure that we're starting now. And if you have something that you want to accomplish this year, let's face it, time is finite. You may have waited too long to accomplish something this year. But you know what? Come November of next year in 2018, are you going to say, I wish I'd started on this two months earlier? you very well might do that. So start now, whatever it is you're trying to do and get on track with the life you want. Start creating the vision, the goal setting, the planning. And if you do it the right way, I'm telling you, it's not hocus pocus, pie in the sky, Pollyanna, optimism, whatever, like like eternal optimism, like I used to think this stuff was. I'm a changed person because of that. And But I think it takes action. I think you have to start on it now. And if you don't want to start on it now, then you've really got to reframe and say, is this something that's really big enough for me? Because it, it's probably not if you're waiting on it, if you're, if you're having to, having to uh, postpone it. Totally agree. That was my favorite part of this whole thing so far, talking about time. And the other thing is I think people put it off because they're scared because they think they have to do a complete 360 in their life all yeah. at once. And it's not yeah. like that. You said small wins, taking a look, baby steps, realizing that it's a process. Realizing there's yeah. going to be days where you fail. Research in psychology would tell you that if you want to fail extremely fast at whatever it is you're trying to do, try to do that complete 180 and go the other direction. It's just not the way that we're wired. It's not the way that our brain works. It's not the way psychology works. It's not even the way just just the world works. Biology, chemistry, physics. It's just not that things can't typically change that fast and make a huge lasting impact. It takes time. And it's slow growing and there's patience and there's pain in that. And that's why I say for a lot of your listeners, unfortunately, unless they have hit rock bottom, many of them are not going to turn and do what they need to do. But my hope is through messages like this and other ones that I've heard that have really helped me in the past that you can hear stories like this and you can learn from people like me and like other people, plenty of people out there that go, you know what, you don't you know, the, the pain helps the growth hitting rock bottom helps you with the growth It helps sharpen you, but you don't have to go through that to really change where, you know, your trajectory and where you're going and, and just learn from other people. That'd be my biggest takeaway is learn from other people. So you never have to sabotage your own life. Yeah, no, that I completely agree. Part of my mission too, is helping people who are young develop healthy habits when they are young still. And so that they don't have to wait later in their life and 
hit rock bottom and have to realize that they should have been doing this long ago. So I totally am with you. We're really aligned on our messages. Um, now, shifting gears a little bit, I want to ask, how has your background in financial planning and investing and coaching, um, how have those principles and strategies kind of transferred to goal setting, health, productivity, you know, other areas of your life? Yeah, just it's just it's interesting uh that question because there's a lot of similarities and there's also a lot of differences um much of what i talk about on my podcast and even in the book has really nothing to do with financial planning and investing and goal setting and everything to do with all of that so it all depends on how you look at it right uh i would say the the biggest part of it that's similar is just understanding that it is a journey uh nobody I always tell my financial planning clients this. There's always something competing with your savings dollars. You're never going to wake up one day and go, I got this figured out, this figured out, this figured out, this figured out. Today's the day that I go start cutting Jared these big checks to start investing my money. Why? Because as soon as you buy that house, now a baby's on the way. Or if the baby's on the way, now you're waiting on your next bonus or your promotion. I mean, there's always something competing with your savings dollars. In the world of trying to change your mindset, there's always noise that's competing with those positive thoughts or what you're trying to do. So just know that whether it's investments, whether it's positive thinking, there's always going to be something trying to sabotage that. Again, it's little wins. My clients who have put together the most successful plans are not the ones, again, that woke up saying everything's in line. Let's start cutting big checks because that day never comes. It's the people that say, you know what? I'm not sure how I'm going to come up with the extra money but I'm going to try to find ways to stop eating out so much. I'm going to try to find ways to do efficient things as far as sticking to a budget, which let's face it, that's painful in and of itself in our society that we set for ourselves today, right? It's not as hard as you think if you really start doing it, but it's painful to think about. And it's real until you, again, until you hit rock bottom, you're not going to do that. But for a lot of people, if they'll hear, heed this message of setting a budget, sticking to it, slowly chipping away at their financial plan little by little by little they look up and they go wow th i i haven't gotten out over my skis on this i haven't gotten in and drowned too far over the water here i've stayed ahead above water i've saved a little bit that didn't feel significant but you look up three four five years later and go holy cow like i've saved a ton of money and now what now i'm empowered even before then even before three to four to five years but that's when it makes it starts making a big compounding significance significant significantial, <laughs> that's not a word, difference where people go, oh my gosh, like this is a big deal. Like this is a huge thing. And now I'm empowered to do even more. Same thing with goal planning, with vision setting, with any of that where you say, wow, it didn't feel like a big change whenever I started increasing my sleep by 15 minutes. It didn't feel like a big change when I cut out alcohol out of my life and I only, you know, drink a little bit on the weekends for some of those people that, you know, do something like that out there. And it didn't feel like a big change whenever I started saying my affirmations in the morning, like it was actually pretty simple, but oh my gosh, look at my life. Look at what the, look at what I've changed. Look at what I've become. And then you start empowering not only yourself, which you have to start with yourself first, but then that starts radiating out towards so many other people to where, it's it's so powerful. And again, two years ago, I would have heard a message like that and was like, yeah, just go work, like toughen up, like, come on, <laughs> let's just go make this happen. But I'm a byproduct of that where I'm like, okay, th this is real. And either you can, you can turn a blind eye to it and you can be negative and you can say that and make everyone around you miserable, including yourself and go to an early grave, seriously, or you can change today, but it doesn't happen immediately in most cases it's little small wins that take you there and you look up one day and it clicks for you and you go oh my gosh look at what has changed when did this happen i don't know but look at where i am compared to where i was and then you have a life that's so dramatically different than where you were before totally and i guess one of my favorite sayings is that action doesn't come from motivation motivation comes from action you can't yeah, no, wait true. until Absolutely. you're motivated to start taking steps. That will never happen. You have to start with a small action, and then you'll realize, oh, okay, that wasn't so bad, and then you'll become more motivated. 
Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big football fan. I'm not so much NFL as I am college, but I remember Bill Parcells back in the day, and I heard this on a like a, a replay or a news interview or something. I may butcher it, but it was something along the lines of uh, some reporter asked about him uh, not motivating his players during the game, you know, or something like that, and just. Bill Parcells, just being the person that he is, just, you know, kind of a bulldog. Um, the answer he gave was just along the lines of like, you're crazy if you think that I as a coach can motivate my players. And of course the media is like, oh, what do you mean? You're one of the greatest coaches of all time. You've motivated so many people. And he's like, no, no, no. I can take a player who loves the game, wants to work and is highly motivated. And I can teach them a few fundamentals to make them great because that's all it takes in many cases. But I can't take someone who doesn't love the game or is not highly motivated, not willing to work hard and motivate them. You, you can't coach that. And, you know, of course, the media is like, is that true? Is that not true? We don't know. We haven't heard that before. But it's so true. You have to have those building blocks first. You have to want it. You have to you have to uh, be wired that way deep down. Be motivated on your own because you at the end of the day are the only person that can do it. You at the end of the day are the only person when you were talking about some of the exercises in my book that can sit down and actually map that out and find it attractive or maybe not. Maybe that maybe you're just not ready for that. I'm not sure. But once you're there, it takes a few small changes of action to become highly uh, just life change. But that motivation has to come first. And then the building, the building blocks are there and then everything else can come after it. So how do those of us who hear this and say, oh my gosh, yes, I am going to just start taking all these actions. I'm going to go for it. This is going to be my best year yet. How do we avoid the overachiever trap? You know, it's hard. I'll, I'll tell you, it's hard. Our society has set up a world that someone like I used to be absolutely thrives in. Um, Tal bin Shahar. I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but for your listeners out there, Tal Ben-Shahar has been very instrumental for me in a lot of his just absolute practical teachings. He has led for years the most widely attended class at Harvard on positive thinking and happiness. And I've got a book right over here. On my, I'm looking at it right now. It's called Even Happier, which is a journal. It's a 52-week journal that goes along with his book, Happier. But the whole idea is he breaks his biggest, uh, he's taught me so much, but the biggest teaching that I've gotten from him are the four archetypes. There's the rat racer, there's the hedonist, there's the nihilist, and then there is the happy archetype. And as he breaks those down, it's like the rat racer is the person like I was for so long that just says, if I just keep grinding and I just get to that horizon over there, then I can slow down because what I'm looking for is right there. Once I accomplish, I'll be there. And then you get to the horizon and you go, wow, I did it. And most really competitive people that want to win, they're very poor at celebrating. And, and I was one of those people. So you get to the horizon and you accomplish this or that or whatever. And you go, "Why? Well, that actually wasn't that tough. It was once this big monumental goal, but it wasn't that tough. Maybe it's this other horizon that I'm chasing out. Okay. So when you start running, okay, you start going after that. That's the rat racer always chasing. And they realize that, you know, once I get there, I'll be happy. But then they realize there's no there, there, there there's nothing there, right? You just, you just keep fueling that. Well, then a lot of people become the hedonist, which is okay. I'm burnt out. I'm dissatisfied. I've gotten completely jaded from all that. Forget running for so long and then trying to get to the horizon. I'm just going to be happy now. So a lot of that unfortunately becomes uh, it becomes drug addiction. It becomes alcoholism. It becomes things of, I don't care what the consequences in the future or how I'm tearing myself apart. I'm just going to be happy right now. And I'm going to feel good today. And that destroys people very quickly. Then there's the nihilist people that are not happy. They're not positive. They really don't think that anything's over the horizon or there even is a horizon. It's just all, well, whatever. I'm just here doing whatever. And we know plenty of people like that. Then there's the happy person that says, you know what? This world is crummy. I'm going to celebrate the journey along the way, and I'm going to really celebrate every summit that I get to, but I'm not going to stop. I'm just going to keep going until the day I die. And that that's very hard for people to get to. But what I would tell you, long answer here, but what I would tell you is to your question, it's very hard for people to just wake up tomorrow and say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I mean, you know, again, that's that's not how life works. And that's not how goals work. That's not how visions work. That's not how life change works. So I'd really caution your listeners from that. If you feel that pressure to have to change quickly, whether it's because you're not, you didn't accomplish what you wanted to this year or a new year's right around the corner, 
or you've gone through several new years and you still haven't gotten to the place you want to be and you've got to make this work. Or maybe it's a relationship or it's a business or you fill in the blank, whatever it is that you feel this pressure to have to change now, the fastest way to change faster is to take it one day at a time, even really one minute at a time and become more present. That's the thing that I'm working on more in leadership as well. How can I be more present? How can I be more aware? And how can I reduce all this pressure and noise that's around me that could sabotage this progress that I've made? And I won't, I won't, I, I say I won't let it happen. Like I'm not perfect, right? There will be days where negativity creeps in and I'm not the person I wanna be. I don't live up to that to be list or that legacy list. But I can promise you it'll be a fraction compared to what it would have been at least two years ago. And that's a win. You're not going to be perfect all the time. You're not going to have you're not going to make it happen immediately. It is small wins over time. The compound win, as Darren Hardy talks about in the compound effect, it's the one percent better every single day to finally get where you want to be. And then you look back and go, holy cow, I haven't been doing this that long. But look at how much I've learned. Look at how much I've sharpened myself. Look at how far I've come. Oh my gosh. And now you want to go radiate that out and tell everybody else about it to get, have them get better as well because it's so intoxicating. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I feel like I've been a little bit of each of those archetypes or archetypes oh, yeah. in my time. Do you believe in balance? Uh, that's a tough one because for so long I just did what everybody else did and said this balance, 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 balance. And I, I really I really don't believe in balance anymore. Me neither. I, I really don't believe in balance. The the longer I go on this journey, I realize it's all about integration. It it life in a perfect world. In a perfect, you know, it's like uh, I just had my uh, car my, or my wife's car yesterday. We're going on a long road trip this weekend for Thanksgiving. And I realized that, hey, she pulls her car in the garage all the time. I don't necessarily look and see her tires, but they look pretty crummy. And I've got three little kids that I'm carrying around. I better get some new tires on this thing. And so I go in and they're telling me like, OK, we're going to put it in alignment. We're going to put it in balance. And so nowadays I think about all that kind of stuff like all the stuff we're talking about, right? Like uh, your life being in alignment, your life being in balance, because if it's not, something's going to wobble. Something's not going to work properly. Well, the truth is in a perfect world, you could line those tires up. You could rebalance them. You could put the car in alignment. You'd never hit a pothole. You'd never have a tire wear on any side. And you would just keep literally driving down the road where 10 years from now, if the car's still running, you could take your hands off the steering wheel and it would just keep running right down the center line. We know life doesn't work that way. So balance doesn't work that way either. You're going to have days where you get literally punched in the gut and punched in the face like you never have before. Those are few and far between, but they happen about once or twice a year. You're going to have other times where you get just kind of, you know how like, like, um, I don't know if you had a, a brother, for some of you out there who had brothers or whatever, where you do something stupid and they just smack you up the backside of the head and it makes you so mad. But then you, you realize like, yeah, what I did was pretty stupid. I probably, you know, life is like a lot of those with a few of the just getting punched right in the mouth a couple of times a year is the way, is the way I look at it. So balance is not existent. I don't think it's integration. How can I be great at every moment or, try, or strive to be great at every moment of whatever it is that I'm doing, knowing that a couple of times a year, I'm going to get punched in the mouth and I'm actually going to fail. I get in a fight and I lose and I probably could have whipped up on somebody else, but I lost because I wasn't prepared. That's life. Other times it's just going to be a smack in the back of the head. And you know, it's really going to be one of those things that like, okay, I probably deserve that. But that that throws you all out of balance whenever that happens. So you've got to learn how to surf on the waves of life. You've got to learn how to integrate stress into your life. You've got to learn how to integrate certain things into your life. But if you're doing some of the things that I talk about in the book, like we were talking about earlier, or just some of the things we've mentioned, those those instances are going to come up few and far between to where you don't really have to, you know, the stress will still be there but you handle it in such a different way. You know, the brother smacks you on the back of the head or whatever, but you learn from it. You don't get mad about it and act selfish about it and want to retaliate and fight and, you know, those sort of things. So that, that's what I would say to that. Yeah. You respond better. You're more resilient. Absolutely. Awesome. So one big question, you have a very successful podcast called success 101 with Jared Warren. How, um, did you, what are three big takeaways that you have learned from doing that show and building it up? 
the three biggest lessons. Uh, I've said it a couple of times here, but life is, you know, life is just hard. Um, but, th but the biggest takeaways that I've had from doing that, and again, I started that podcast when I hit rock bottom. I woke up one day and was like, no more, no more. I don't care what I have to do. And again, I go back to the timeless classics, Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, people like that, that, you know, some people discount. It's like, oh, that's old knowledge. We want to listen to some of the new people. They're all saying the same thing. There's nothing new under the sun. They're all saying the same thing. But the biggest thing that I've learned is there is too much noise out there. I am a huge tech person. Like I love screens. I've got, I mean, if you looked at my desk now, there's so many devices like that I use just during my day to day and I love it and I hate it because what I've learned is, is that the more screens I have in my face, the worse that I am and the less present that I am. But I'm also very fast and efficient with many things that I have to do. So again, back to the balance or integration, you have to find what works for you. But I found just overall, there's too much noise out there. If we can minimize our life, if we, I mean, I did a podcast with uh, Greg McEwen who wrote Essentialism, and that was one of the best books that I've ever read in my life that spoke to me at a time that I needed it the most is how do we focus on exactly what we need to focus on, what is most essential, and in the documentary, Minimalism, I don't know if you've seen that before, but I encourage you to go uh, watch that. It's just, if we can just clear everything out, so I'm a technology fan but I tell my wife all the time, if some like weird thing blew up all of our technological devices and we didn't have them anymore, I'd be just fine moving to Montana with our family and just like being out in the woods all the time too. Like, she's like, no, you wouldn't. I'm like, yes, I would. I promise. Like I, I, I could not have a screen in my face and I'd be totally happy and better off for it. But if I'm going to adapt in the world we're in today, you have to have it. But there's just too much noise. So if you guys can cut down the noise in your life, if you can get all the static out of your life, I mean, even this, even what we're doing right now, this podcast if you're doing too much of that, if you're just consuming and over consuming information, um, that, that could be too much noise in your life. Okay. Second thing is everyone's not, not affected the same way that I am by things. So you may hear this message and say, okay, I'm going to go change and do certain things, or I'm not going to do that. Well, you never know. Build in parts of it. Again, you're going to be affected by things differently than I am. All your listeners are going to be affected by things differently. You've got to find what works for you. And there's certain things that people discounted and said, hey, I used to do that, but I found that it didn't work. Well, it works awesome for my life. It's just depending on how you're wired and vice versa. There's things that I put out there and just get railed on Facebook or Instagram or whatever for it because people are like, you know, why didn't you mention this in your list? And why didn't you do this? Well, those, I'm sorry, those things don't work for me. I'm telling you what works for me. You have to find out what works for you. And then thirdly, usually, and I say usually like all caps here, Usually, if you have a lot of people criticizing you, you're likely doing something right out there because people, unfortunately, in our selfish society we live in today, people typically don't like to root on someone else who's doing something that they wish they were doing. Okay. Now, there are times where people are criticizing you, and if they're, you're in your sphere of influence and they're people that you really love and trust and respect, and you know they have a good head on their shoulder, if they're criticizing you, you better listen to it. But if just random people are throwing stuff out there, and you're getting a lot of that during a season of life, you're probably doing something right. So press on and keep going. And then lastly, I'll give you one more. I know you asked for three. I'll give you one more. But lastly, there are, I would just put it this way, there are a lot of people out there selling you a bag of goods on social media that they are not necessarily living out in their own life. It's amazing how many people that coach millionaires that have, um, you know, whatever accolade that you want to throw out there and they're contacting people like me and other influencers that I talk to trying to like collaborate on things where it's like, well, wait a minute, aren't you supposed to be the expert on this? There's a lot of masking going on. And sometimes that masking is, you know, I hate the phrase fake it till you make it because then you're, you're kind of selling a bag of goods. But sometimes that masking can help you from the inside go, you know what I am, you know, again, the to be list. I wrote that not being that person that said all those things. So some people could say, oh, you're a hypocrite. You wrote a book about to be this, to be this, to be this. Well, that's what I inspire to be. That's not what I'm putting out there in the world that I am. There are a lot of people putting out a lot of stuff that they are and trying to sell you on that. And so you have to filter through the noise. You have to filter through what everyone's telling you and find out what works for you. You have to filter through all the criticism and find out, is this real or is this just criticism that I need to blow on past? And then lastly, look out for all the people selling you a bag of goods out there that they are not necessarily living out in their own life. And 
be the person you want to be. Live, live that legacy. Live that highlight reel that I put in the book. Find your ideal calendar as well that you want to go after. Uh, all of that is in the book like we were talking about earlier, but that's really what I was empowered to kind of send that message out to people because I find that honestly most people just aren't doing those things. And if I can help people really kind of reframe that in their life, coming from the point that I did, then that's significance to me, not just success. Wow. Yeah. And I really think that a lot of us don't trust ourselves anymore. For example, in the in the health and diet world, since there is so much information out there, people wonder, well, is ketogenic right for me? Or is this exactly. diet right for me? And it's like, well, how do you feel when you do that? Or has that ever worked for you? Like, have you ever stuck to that? So I think in any life area, it's about coming back to presence and that voice in your head and trusting your gut. And yes, taking things from what other people are putting out there, good advice and things like that, seeing what works for you, but not being so driven by what others want you to do. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. You've got to, you got to find what, I mean, it's, it's just like, I mean, I know we've all heard it before, but it's like when the airplane's going down and the oxygen bags all fall down, what do they tell you? Don't help it. <laughs> Don't help anybody else until you have your oxygen mask on. And in today's world, we look at self-care many times as selfish. Like, you know, you're doing all this stuff for yourself and you don't care what other people think about you. You're not listening to other people. You're not, you know, whatever. And some of that we may need to listen to. Again, you know, if it's people you trust and care about that are criticizing by the world standards, you may look at that going, mm, no, I know these people. They're, they're giving me great advice. But for the most part, people are just throwing in comments from the peanut gallery and saying whatever. Self-care is not selfish in most cases. If you're viewing it the right way, you got to put your oxygen mask on first and then you can help so many other people out there. So find out what that is for you guys. Absolutely. Learn what's best for you and stop being so fascinated with the Kardashians and what they're doing and all of that. Absolutely. Okay. So I have one more quick question and this I meant to ask earlier. Do you think that we should go public with our goals? Because I've heard two different things. You know, I heard that, oh, you should share your goals with your community or on Facebook or whatever. And then I've also heard actually that gives you a false sense of accomplishment and you should just tell like one person close to you in your life or something like that. What's your take on that? My take on that, just my quick answer is, is that if you're, if you are absolutely convicted, like at a deep core, spiritual brain, heart level, everything that's in your inner being, inner, like everything that like your big why, I guess, you know, for, for the words we use today, if that is eating at you and you know that like no matter like like for me where I got to where I woke up the one day and just said enough enough I'm so tired of feeling like this and I'm so tired of being this person negative pessimistic tired I am miserable and I'm making everyone around me miserable I'd say go public with it because it means something what I find is there's a lot of people quote unquote going public with their goals there and the, those goals don't mean a whole lot to them and so they go public with it and then maybe they have people holding them accountable or more importantly, they're holding themselves accountable and they get out like six months and realize that they're not really sticking to anything they said. Well, then it becomes like a New Year's resolution. It doesn't mean anything. But now you've gone public with it and you could, I mean, you could look like a fool because you put out something that you didn't really feel or mean and you put it out in a way that the world knew about it and it didn't, you really shouldn't have. That's when maybe you should tell one person. I'm thinking about this. I know I need to do this. I don't know if I'm willing to put in the work on it yet. Maybe I'm the person that says I need to do it, but uh, maybe I need to do it in January. Mm, that doesn't mean a lot. Don't go public with that goal. But if it's something where you are rock bottom, my life, my family, my well-being, my people around me, all of this depends on the way I respond to this. And I will respond in a way where I set goals that I vision, whatever you want to fill in the blank with that I'm now going to achieve. You almost have to go public with it because there's, again, there's too much noise and sabotage out there that could keep you away from it, but you know you have to do it. Go public with that because hopefully you have some good people in your corner holding you accountable that won't let you down and won't let you get away with not doing it. So the, the answer is that it all depends on how serious you are about it. And you'll know that. Frame your vision and frame your goals along what I said today of it's 
it's almost Thanksgiving. It's almost Christmas. Are you going to be the one with this particular goal, whatever it is, are you going to be the one that says, nah, I'll wait till January one. I don't want to start that just yet. And if that's whatever that equivalent is of what you're doing in life, if that's what you get to, I wouldn't go public with that because it doesn't mean anything, but I would tell somebody, I would tell a friend, I would tell an accountability partner, Hey, I'm struggling with something. This is really what I want to do. I'm not ready to start it just yet, but I need your help. Let's work together on this. Let's get me to a point where I'm ready to go forward with this, then go public, but not until that point. And, and you may not know exactly when that point is, but you, I mean, not at first, but you will eventually, if you meditate and focus and journal it out enough, you absolutely will, because it'll mean so much for you. Well said. Okay. Well, first off, I just want to say thank you again for coming to the show. I can tell that you are so aligned with your values and I love seeing pictures of your family and I love that you're that you love uh, history and you share like a lot of personal things about yourself, you know, so you don't come across, I think a lot of professional development and, um, you know, speakers and those kinds of people come across as like a little bit cold or like, I don't know enough about them or they're not relatable enough. And with you, I feel like this guy is a family guy. He is <laughs> awesome. He loves colon the colonial era. Like, I love that you share that kind of stuff with your audience and I think it's refreshing. So tell Thank everybody you. You where much. they can learn more about you and go to uh, see your podcast. So the best way to get in touch with me, if you want to email me, which would be the best is to shoot my team an email. We try to filter through all of those, but it's info at success 101 podcast.com. Not the success 101 podcast. Some people say they can't find me and that's why they're putting the success. So it's info at success 101 podcast.com. And then the URL is the same. It's just success 101 podcast.com. Uh, Instagram. I love Instagram under the name success 101 podcast. And then on Facebook, you can find me under the success 101 podcast community page over there and subscribe and you'll get, uh, all the new stuff that comes out. I try to be super relevant, put out a lot of really cool news articles, history, like stuff that we can learn from, from the past, because those people certainly didn't have it together. And the people in the future will say that about us. Right. But history repeats itself and there's lessons that are learned in history. And that's why we can learn from all of that. But I uh, would love to hear from you guys. That's what makes my job worthwhile is on the podcast side of things. It's just hearing what, people are learning out there, whether it's from me or anybody else. I learn, I learn a ton from people sharing things they're learning that didn't even come from me because I can learn so much still, but, um, just share with me what your thoughts are, what your comments are. And then to get the book, the best way to do that, my team has that, uh, right now for just the shipping cost. We've done that for an extended time because we want to get this out in everyone's hands. So go to success one podcast.com forward slash book. And if you're in the continental United or if you're in the United States, just put in success 101 in the uh, coupon or promo code. If you're international outside the U S then just get the ebook reader. Uh, it's just like a, about the same cost as the shipping cost, and you'll be good to go. Ruby. All right. Well, thank you so much. Take care. Thanks so much for having me. It was such an honor and I love watching your work as well and everything that you're uh, working on and doing. So keep it up. Thank you. Want to hear more shows? Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Get your free habits guide at HaleyRow.com and remember that any advice given on the show does not substitute for medical advice from your healthcare professional. Talk to you guys soon.